Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the By the Book podcast with Mr. By the Book, Gaston LaRue. And today we are doing yet another deep dive into the annals of the ancient book of wrestling, looking at it page by page at the lineage of the Intercontinental Championship, one of the, you know, my second favorite uh, lineage in all of pro wrestling and the one that I think is the best uh, behind the NWA World Heavyweight Championship lineage. Uh, which we already did an episode on. Go check that one out. It was a fantastic episode and one of my absolute favorites. Uh, the thumbnail uh, of that, because I like to do custom thumbnails for the Spotify episodes sometimes, is me a side-by-side photo of me with a championship with Ric Flair with a championship. So um, go check that out. That's a really fun episode, and we're doing another deep dive here today into the Ancient Book of Wrestling, looking at the lineage of the Intercontinental Championship uh, such a prestigious championship has had nothing but great title designs over the years, in my opinion. Um, wonderful title designs uh, and is currently being held by Gunther, who is having a legendary t- championship title run. Currently the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time, breaking Honky Tonk's record, Honky Tonk Man's record, which was held for years upon years upon years. Uh, Gunther recently broke the broke the the uh, record about about a month ago, roughly, and then really recently had a really good match with Tommaso Ciampa on Raw, uh, and has uh, and has arguably brought it to the most prestigious it's ever been potentially, um, and like there's times where on Raw it feels more prestigious than the World Heavyweight Championship right now, and that's incredible. Um, I don't think that's a detriment to Rollins and the work he's doing. With the World Heavyweight Championship, I just think that it's a wonderful compliment towards Gunther. And, you know, wrestling is thriving right now. Um, NXT and AEW both just had uh, shows on Tuesday night. NXT beat AEW in the ratings. Um, and I watched both shows. Both were phenomenal. Uh, I love seeing the younger stars getting to uh, get a rub and and be in there with some of the main roster guys and also some guys who aren't even on the main roster anymore and have retired. And uh, with the likes of the undertaker showing up at the very end uh, against Braun breaker, stuff like that. So uh, wrestling is on fire right now. I'm super happy with professional wrestling in the state that it is in. Um, I know that I talk a lot on here about some of the negatives, you know, last week I talked about the toxicity of, of the fandom and stuff like that. But I just want to talk about those hard hitting topics sometimes. Uh, but I also feel like I talk very positively a lot of the time about the world of professional wrestling. And I think uh, it is just incredible. Um, speaking of, in, I mentioned NWA and doing the world heavyweight championship lineage. Uh, before we start today, I just want to talk about uh, the fact that the NWA is bringing back territories which I think is very exciting. They started with EC3's promotion, um, Exodus Pro in Cleveland, Ohio, which I think is awesome. Got some buddies who, used to, who were able to go up there to the CYN preface. Uh, I did not get to because I was sick, and I think that it is incredible that they got that, that opportunity. And I think that the NWA doing more territories creates a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. I made tweets and Facebook posts saying uh, what promotions I think would be great is NWA territories, and they're namely ones that I work for. Um, but it, it allows 
those championships to gain more legitimacy because they'll get recognized by the NWA. It allows talent to be able to be NWA talents, you know, even if they're not on the main television program that they run on a weekly basis with power. Um, I think that there's plenty of opportunity to be had. I've talked about numerous times that I, how I feel about the territory days that I wish I got to live them, that I wish they were still around and they'll never get to the point that they were before, you know, just because the NWA is bringing back territories doesn't mean anything. They brought back territories a couple years ago, uh, not long before I started. And that was a fun success. And then that switched up after Billy Corgan bought the company. Um, and now he's trying to bring them back in, in his own way. Uh, Supreme wrestling where I trained was an NWA territory. I would love for them to, be able to become one again, you know, that'd be incredible. I think that there is plenty of opportunity for everyone there. Um, so, and there's a lot of opportunity just kind of sprouting up in the independent wrestling scene within the last week. Not only is the NWA doing territories, but uh, Paradigm Pro Wrestling announced that they're doing Project Gemini, um, which is giving wrestlers the opportunity to send their stuff to them. Um, and I sent mine in to Paradigm Pro Wrestling uh, and I'm hoping to hear back from them and hoping that they have me a part of their Project Gemini at the beginning of next year uh, in January. Um, they're going to put up some of the talent that they pick against their own talent um, on, in a special that will be on Fight TV, which is awesome. Uh, so I, I, I would love that opportunity. Uh, love, get to showcase my technical wrestling, uh, pure wrestling style. And speaking of which, another opportunity came up, Wrestle Carnival. They've done stuff with Ring of Honor. Um, and they have their own pure wrestling division. They are in England, in the UK. And uh, I I reached out to them as well recently because they made a post um, asking people to reach out for their pure division as well. And, you know, I specialize in pure style wrestling, technical wrestling. And so I reached out. I'm really hoping that I get some traction with that. Um, I, I really hope that I get tr both of these opportunities because the more opportunities I get to showcase my technical wrestling ability and that I'm one of the very best doing it today. This past weekend, I didn't have any shows. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I've been sick. Um, and then this coming weekend, I already planned to have off. Uh, as I am preparing and training for my ma upcoming match with legendary Larry D., on October the 21st, I've been playing uh, recordings for my, my promo for that match, but I have a new promo for that match that I am going to be playing for each and every one of you right now. Uh, give it a listen. Uh, and then I am also playing promos for two of my other upcoming matches. I've got one for my Cincy Wrestling Dreamhouse Championship title defense against Buck Sexton in Indianapolis, Indiana at the WCWO Arena. On October the 26th, that is a Thursday, uh, the first time that wrestling has been in Indianapolis, Indiana on a Thursday in 20 to 30 years. So that's very exciting. And then uh, I will also be showing you promos for my upcoming matches. I get my upcoming uh, triple threat match for the Dreamhouse Championship. Sorry, the Nice Guy Indie Podcast Championship, which will become the By the Book Podcast Championship after I win it. And, I'm, and so I'm very excited for that match. And then I'll also play my promo, which you've heard over the past couple of weeks, for my match with Crazy Steve on November the 4th, Impact Wrestling's Crazy Steve on November the 4th at, uh, at Generation X Pro Wrestling Presents The Last Stand, Larry D's final match. 
So give those a listen, and we'll be right back as we jump into the lineage of the Intercontinental Championship. Next Saturday night, October the 21st, Ascend Pro Wrestling in Norwood, Ohio. I step into the ring with legendary Larry D. I have the privilege of being one of the final people to step into the ring with him before he calls it quits, before he hangs up the boots, before he retires. But it's my final opportunity to prove myself to Larry D. And I had a I had a promo come out a few weeks ago talking about the importance of this match to me, but I really want to hammer it home. On October 21st, when I step into the ring with Larry D, I'm taking in the Ancient Book of Wrestling and I'm studying day after day after day. I've taken two weeks off just to study and train and be ready for this match with legendary Larry D. Something I never do. I never take days off, but I have just for preparation for this match. So when I step in that ring, Larry, you better be ready. I'm not the kid, the scared kid that you wrestled in Madison, Indiana two and a half years ago. I am the best technical wrestler in the Midwest. I am the greatest professional wrestler on the planet. And I am Mr. By the Book. So when I defeat you next Saturday night, it's going to be 100% By the Book. Hi, I'm Gaston LaRue. See, I'm an intellect. I don't just read the Ancient Book of Wrestling all the time. I read really good books, such as Boundaries. And you see, I've been reading Boundaries because I think I need to share this with the many inbred meth heads of Larksburg, Kentucky at New South Wrestling. Because when I walk out to the ring, you all show, you stupid fans show me nothing but disrespect. So I'm going to lend this book to all of you so that you learn boundaries, and you learn how to respect your fellow human being. Because after I win on October 22nd at New South Wrestling, and I defeat Matt Atreya and Adrian Alexander to become the Nice Guy Andy Podcast Champion, which is going to become the By the Book Podcast Championship. When I win that, you're going to have to learn some boundaries, and you're going to have to learn how to respect a champion. Because... You see, I'm better than you. I'm better than all of you disgusting ingrates. I'm better than Matt Atreya. I'm better than Adrian Alexander. And my manager, Ben Sheeran, is going to help lead me to victory and win that championship. And when I do, it's going to be 100% by the book. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Cincy Wrestling Dreamhouse Champion, the Traveling Champion. And on Thursday, October the 26th, in Indianapolis, Indiana, I step into the ring, defending this championship, putting it on the line against Buck Sexton. Well, you see, I don't really like the comparisons that have been thrown around about this match, saying that we're two of the best talkers in the Midwest, two of the best wrestlers in the Midwest. Buddy, you're not on my level. You see, we're going to step in the ring in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm going to prove why I'm better. You see, no one talks like Gaston. No one wrestles like Gaston. No one studies and trains and wrestles and puts in the work as hard as I do. No one is like me. So for someone to compare us, uh-uh. I'm going to prove 
that even though you're talented, you are not me, and there is no one like me, and that's by the book. Saturday, November the 4th, at Generation Next Pro Wrestling, it is the last stand of Larry D. And it's gonna be a legendary night. But it's not gonna be a legendary night for the reasons that you may think. You see, the talk of the town at the end of the night isn't gonna be Larry's last match. It is going to be the night that Gaston LaRue made a name for himself. You see, I'm walking in and I expect that gymnasium to be packed to the rafters. And I'm stepping in with the gifted Crazy Steve, Impact Wrestling Superstar. And I have a shot at superstardom. And I'm going to take the utmost advantage. Because when I step into the ring, I'm going to prove that I am a star. I'm going to show why I still belong at the top of Generation Next Pro Wrestling. They may want to screw me out of title matches. They may want to keep me out of the title picture. But when I pin an impact talent in the center of the ring with no questions asked, I don't care how good or talented he is. He's not me. He is not Mr. By the Book. And when he loses, when his shoulders are pinned to that mat, it's going to be a hundred percent by the book. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, as we are ready to delve deep into the annals of the ancient book of wrestling itself and take a look at the lineage of the WWE Intercontinental Championship, one of the greatest championships of all time, a championship that I dream of holding someday. You know, you hear, I've heard multiple times from a lot of great wrestlers that their dream was the Intercontinental Championship, not even the World Championship in WWE. Um, the Intercontinental Championship has always been a beautiful title, has a beautiful lineage. And so we're just going to jump right in and get started with the lineage right here on page 274 of the Ancient Book of Wrestling. And first off, I want to start off by saying, so the NWA World WWE Championship lineage had a lot of weird twists and turns. Um, like, a lot of strange twists and turns in it. Um, a lot of, like, weird things that where it's like, oh, what on earth is, is this? Like, there's a fiction, like, they made up a fictional match. Like, what it, and this is no different. The Intercontinental Championship is no different. It actually has a really strange start. Um, so you've always heard Pat Patterson was the first Intercontinental Champion. September 1st, 1979, won the belt in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, however, so so Patterson became the first champion um, after defeating Ted DiBiase. Well, okay, let me back up. So before becoming the official Intercontinental Champion, Patterson uh, won the title um, won the WF North American Heavyweight Championship from Ted DiBiase um, in June of 1979. So uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, so the at this time, WF was in NWA territory, uh, which I think is really fitting that you know this starts in the NWA territories. The NWA is bringing back their territories. I just think that that is really cool. Like they just announced it this week. Uh, as I'm doing this episode, so I think that's a cool little fun connection uh, that I just want to make right there. Um, so the WF had their North American Heavyweight Championship, uh, which Patterson won in June of of '79. Uh, but then there's a 
the the fictional the Rio de Janeiro Brazil part is fictional, which I didn't know. I wasn't aware of. Um, but according to the Ancient Book of Wrestling, there's not really a record of this happening. Um, where he, where Pat Patterson defeated Johnny Rods in a tournament that apparently doesn't exist, and uh, to unify the North American Heavyweight Championship with the South American Heavyweight Championship, which uh, never existed. <laughs> like, like apparently that's not a thing. It's fictional. Um, and I'm just reading straight from the Ancient Book of Wrestling. I'm just telling you what the Ancient Book of Wrestling says. Uh, right, right on page 274 and 275 through page two, 280. So uh, this lineage spans a lot of pages in the Ancient Book of Wrestling. A lot of context to give, um, a lot of uh, just information and backstory on a lot of this. Um, so that happens. He unifies it, creates the WWF Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. Um, and then the first mention of the championship uh, was on August 22nd, 1979, um, on a championship wrestling program, which aired uh, the 25th of 79, um, in an interview uh, after Patterson defeated Johnny Rivera. So already a strange start to this lineage. Uh, so technically, Patterson, so technically since the Rio de Janeiro thing doesn't really exist, by technicality, Patterson was kind of the original Intercontinental Champion ever since June of 79, um, but supposedly, cre- but basically turned it into the championship. They basically just turned that championship into the Intercontinental Championship in September of 79. Uh, and not really, you know, and, and like not really anything to do with Rio de Janeiro. So that's completely fictional, um, complete fabrication, which is fascinating to me because I always grew up. Hearing Pat, oh, Pat Patterson is the original Arcanal champion. He won it in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And that's like not the case whatsoever. Um, so then, uh, I, and I'm going to do the same thing I did with the NWA one. Uh, I'm going to kind of skim over some that I don't really have much to say or don't really know too much about. Um, and a, a lot of these earlier ones is kind of that situation. I don't know a ton about too many, too many of these title reigns. Um, you know, the ancient book of wrestling just kind of states, oh, they won the belt and they lost it to this person on this date. You know, uh, some of them don't really have added context, but if there is added context like that original one, I will provide it. Um, but there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot, a ton of context for some of these. And also some of these, I just don't find that interesting necessarily, even if there is added context get provided, uh, and then some of these I'm going to talk about, like, my own nostalgia for them being the Intercontinental Champion or what I remember uh, from them as being the Intercontinental Champion. Because some of these are, are from when I grew up uh, and stuff like that. So I'm just prefacing. I'm not going over everybody. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna kind of go over some very important ones. And that's about it, you know, type, type of thing. Um, so... Patterson drops the belt to Ken Patera, who drops it to Pedro Morales, who drops it to Don Morocco, who drops it back to Pedro Morales. Uh, after a 155-day title reign, Pedro went on to have a 424-day title reign. Um, it, after winning it on November 23, 1981, Pedro Morales, a, a big name from back then uh, in the early WWF days, 
And then he drops it back to Don Morocco, January 22nd of 83. And during Don Morocco's reign, the WF officially withdrew from the NWA. So not too many champions, um, only six champions, technically four uh, people only, no, three Technically, three people only held the championship in that time, but there were six title reigns uh, before they withdrew from the NWA. Uh, Don Morocco dropped it to Tito Santana, who I feel like is one of the earlier very memorable champions, um, outside of Pat Patterson, obviously. But And then he was the first one under the just WWF regime, so uh, not under the NWA banner any longer. Uh, he wins it and then holds the belt for 226 days before dropping it to Greg the Hammer Valentine uh, at Maple Leaf Wrestling, which is fascinating. Um, and they were a part of, uh, which Maple Leaf Wrestling was, if I'm recalling it correctly, was produced under the Capital Wrestling Corporation, so the CWC, um, which was kind of a subsidiary or, or like a production company for WF, basically. I don't know too much about that there's not you know context provided in the ancient book of wrestling with that i'm going off of you know what i know in my brain so greg valentine defeats tito santana uh greg valentine is one of the earlier intercontinental champions i know about and recognize honestly um i don't remember what it was i just remember seeing him it maybe it was in video games like at a young age uh seeing greg valentine holding the championship uh he held it for 285 days before dropping the championship back to, before dropping the championship back to Tito Santana, who then dropped it to Randy Savage uh, in February of 86, who held it, who held on to the championship for 414 days uh, before having an incredible match at WrestleMania three, one of the greatest matches of all time against Ricky, the dragon steamboat uh, steamboat, didn't hold the championship long, and which is something I noticed with the his NWA slash WCW World Championship reigns. Steamboat didn't hold championships very long at all, um, but he was a great babyface that people always wanted to see uh, in the chase. Uh, they enjoyed seeing the chase, and they once he did win it, it was an incredible moment. So that that is beautiful, that is wonderful. Um, but that that match at WrestleMania three is a classic, so ahead of its time, better than than half the wrestling today like you know it like that match just set a bar that wasn't overcame for a long time um i i think that you know guys like rick flair were doing cool stuff similar to it and stuff like that um but even then i feel like it was it was ahead of rick flair at the time as well that is such a incredible match one of my favorite matches of all time uh heck i might go watch that match after this um Next is the Honky Tonk Man, who won the championship from Steamboat in June of 87. And then he went on his long title reign, classic championship title reign. The reign that just got broken by Gunther this year, in 2023, this year. So he held the, he held the fort down, held that uh, record. Uh, for years upon years, from 87 to 2023, before it was finally broken by Gunther. Uh, but he had a 454-day title reign. Uh, I remember, uh, and Santino will be on the list later on, but I just remember what the most memorable thing to me 
one of the more memorable intercontinental title reigns was Santino's where uh, he would come out and he would go, uh, he would talk about the hunky tonky man and how he wanted to beat his record for the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. And I always thought that was awesome. Uh, Honky Tonk Man would lose to Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam in 88. And then I believe... Hmm. Uh, so, so I am mistaken. I was going to say, I think he took that title reign into the, the match with Hogan, but I would be incorrect with that. Um, that is later on. So he, he loses the belt to Rick Rude at WrestleMania five. So he wins it at SummerSlam of 88, uh, loses it at WrestleMania five and 89, and then wins it back at SummerSlam of 89. And then he goes into the match with Hogan and then forfeits the champion. Uh, so he goes into the match with Hogan at WrestleMania six uh, for both belts on the line. He wins both championships uh, in 90. And then on April 3rd, 1990 at the, on the wrestling challenge. <sighs> Gosh, excuse my yawning. I'm so sorry. I I'm tired. It's been busy. I've been training hard. Um, Warrior relinquishes the title after winning the WF championship so he can focus on defending the title. Um, uh, WWE recognizes it as being vacated on April 1st, though, at WrestleMania 6, uh, after he won, won the WF championship. So, uh, so then they do a tournament for the championship. Mr. Perfect wins the championship, uh, defeating Tito Santana in the tournament final. Mr. Perfect, another incredible, incredible intercontinental champion. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, he loses it to Texas Tornado for a short title reign. For a very short title reign before winning it back. <sighs> I gotta get all my yawns out. I'm so sorry. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so Mr. Perfect wins it back, holds the title for 280 days before losing the championship uh, to Bret Hart at SummerSlam of 1991. Uh, that is a really good match, too. I, I really enjoy that match. Um, that's a fun match. Uh, and then Bret Hart loses the championship to the Mountie for a very temporary amount of time. Uh, the Mountie literally holds the championship for two days uh, in in January of 92, there's a house show going into the Royal Rumble. I believe it was supposed to be Brett and Piper at the Rumble, if I'm not mistaken. It ends up being Mountie and Piper at the Rumble, where Piper wins, leading to the phenomenal uh, Intercontinental Championship match at WrestleMania 8 between Piper and Bret Hart. Uh, that's absolutely fantastic. A very underrated match uh, at WrestleMania is their match at WrestleMania 8. Uh, I remember watching it not that long ago. Um, and by the, not, not that long ago, I mean a couple of years ago. I watched it for the first time, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, the only WrestleMania to be held in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we need another one, just saying. Uh, Pat McAfee made that very clear at Fastlane last weekend. And uh, yes, we need WrestleMania in Indianapolis, Indiana once again. We also need it in Cincinnati, Ohio, I'm just saying. Uh, so Bret Hart wins the championship before losing it to British Bulldog in an all-time classic match at SummerSlam in London, England uh, from Wembley Stadium. Absolutely incredible match. Uh, I love that match. 
Brett and Bulldog uh, were absolutely fantastic competitors. <sighs> Obviously had a lot of chemistry. They were related. They uh, trained together, all that stuff. But that match is just wonderful and, incre and an incredible main event. Um, and then Bulldog loses the belt to Shawn Michaels uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana, believe it or not, uh, a place where I wrestle frequently. So that's pretty cool. Uh, something that, that's something I, I didn't know. Uh, you know, I study this ancient book of wrestling all the time, and I learn new things every single day. It's a it's a wealth of knowledge. He he loses the championship to Marty Jannetty. Uh, there, they were in that feud post the rocker split. Janetti does not hold it long though before losing it back to Shawn Michaels at a house show. Um, so now we're going to get into some very interesting territory again, um, because for for a multitude of reasons. Uh, so the championship is vacated by Michaels after 113 days um, when he is stripped of the title for failing to defend it within 30 days. Michaels was actually suspended. Uh, for testing positive for steroids. Um, and then that is this provides the opportunity for Razor Ramon to win the championship uh, via Battle Royal. Um, and then Michaels returns um, in November of 93. So Razor wins it September of 93, and Sean comes back in November of 93, claiming to be the legitimate champion. Uh, and then Ramon went on to defeat Michaels in the classic ladder match, the first ever ladder match uh, in March of 94 at WrestleMania 10. So the Intercontinental Championship, I, I've never really realized this, but and like I, I, or maybe I just didn't think about it, but the Intercontinental Championship has a very rich history with incredible matches at WrestleMania. Uh, so Diesel would eventually defeat Razor Ramon before Razor would win it back and lose it to Jeff Jarrett. And then Jeff Jarrett would vacate the title, um, would vacate the title, and after him and Bob Bob Holly uh, ends in a controversy uh, in April of '95, um, but then they have a rematch for the vacant title. Jeff Jarrett wins the title back. Um, I'm not. It doesn't really give me much more context other than there was a controversy. Um, the Antibook Wrestling really isn't talking about what the controversy is. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, but but Jeff's kind of run in there was is very recognizable too. I feel like I feel like he his intercontinental championship run is, is very talked about because he wins the title and, and he holds it multiple times. because um, he wins the title, loses it back to Razor for only a few days before winning it back again, and then losing it to Shawn Michaels in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in July of ninety-five. So I think that is a, uh, I think that that's fun. I think that time Jarrett, at that time, Jarrett was, uh, he was pretty young and he was killing it. I think he was doing great stuff in, in WF at the time. Uh, Shawn Michaels loses the belt to Dean Douglas via forfeit. Uh, don't know much about Dean Douglas. Uh, he eventually loses it back to Razor. So Razor was very synonymous with the Intercontinental Championship in WF. Razor would lose it uh, back to gold. Would lose it to Gold Dust. Um, there's a, vac a vacant. Uh, gold Dust gets it vacated again uh, after him and Savio Vega ends in a no contest, and then Gold Dust wins the title back, uh, defeats Savio Vega in a rematch for the championship, 
uh, before losing it to Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson forfeits the championship uh, after being attacked following uh, the by, by Farouk uh, after a, a battle royal. Um, which, you know, so I'm looking through here and it's just looks like a series of bad luck for the championship, more or less. Like quite a few vacates, like, you know, just really weird stuff between 93 and 95. Just like a lot of bad luck for the championship, it looks like. No, 96 even. Um, so it looks like just a lot of bad luck for the championship. Mark Merrow wins the title. Doesn't, doesn't have a long reign at all, but he won a tournament uh, last defeating Farouk. And then Hunter Hearst Helmsley wins the title. So this is when some stuff begins to pick up. The Attitude Era is starting to ramp up. We're getting closer to the Attitude Era. We're kind of um, ushering out the era, the uh, the new era, so to speak. Um, gosh, what was it called? Um, I can't think about it. I can't think of it right now. I think it was just more or less the new era. So Brett and Michaels and them coming in and then Hogan and a warrior kind of finding their way out. Hunter Host Helmsley wins the belt October of 96 uh, from Mark Marrow. Holds about 115 days before losing it to Rocky Maivia, uh, which, uh, you know, they had some good matches in there. That was the rock, die, Rocky, die era, though. But young Hunter and young Rock still had good matches against one another. Um, Rocky eventually loses it to Owen Hart, uh, and then Owen Hart eventually loses it to Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, in August of 97, uh, at SummerSlam, which is an incredible match, but unfortunately that is the match where Austin gets his neck broken, um, so he has to vacate the title. Owen Hart wins it back, defeating Farouk, again, again in the tournament final, uh, poor Farouk, never winning the tournament, (laughs) At the very end of the day. Um, so Austin comes back in 97 and he wins the championship for Brett at Survivor Series. Uh, only holding the belt for 29 days, though, before losing it um, to The Rock. While he, hand, while he handed the championship belt to The Rock, uh, interestingly enough. Um, and then uh, I'm not really sure on more context there. I kind of want to learn more context about that because that's fascinating. But... At this time, you have guys who are about to be the biggest stars of the company holding the Intercontinental Championship, you know, which is crazy to me. Um, and, and I just find absolutely fascinating. Uh, so Owen wins it, loses, loses it to Austin. Rock uh, takes it back, takes it from Austin. Triple H takes it from Rock in their classic ladder match at SummerSlam. Uh, Triple H had just kind of freshly come out of the Hunter Hearst Helmsley thing and uh, uh you know and and so he he wins it uh triple h wins it but he vacates it due to a knee injury in october of 98 ken shamrock uh wins it in a tournament uh and then loses it to val venus which is one that i didn't know i had no idea that he lost to val venus at saint valentine's day massacre i had no no idea about this I, so a couple of these, I have no, I had no idea. It kind of seems like they're flip flopping the title for a time. Kind of seems like they wanted to keep it on Triple H for a bit, and that didn't work out very well. So then they go to Shamrock, who holds it for a decent amount of time, 125 days, uh, before losing it to Venus, who only has a 29-day title reign. Road Dog only has 14. Goldust wins it, only has 14. Godfather wins it, only has 43, which is 
shockingly longer than all the other ones. Um, and then Jeff Jarrett wins the title from The Godfather. And Jeff Jarrett is the champion for only 54 days, but it's another title reign for uh, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett loses it to Edge in 99. So I didn't realize Edge won the Intercontinental Championship in 99. When I think of Edge the Interco- with the Intercontinental Championship, I think of like, uh, I believe it was 04, probably. Um, so I usually don't think about that. Uh, but he only holds, he doesn't hold it long. Uh, he won- he wins at a house show, but holds it for a day, loses it to Jeff Jarrett. So that's probably why I had no idea Edge won the belt in 99. Uh, Jeff Jarrett doesn't hold it very long at all before losing it to D'Lo Brown, who only holds it about a month, loses it back to Jeff Jarrett. Um, he also won the uh, European Championship in this match against D'Lo. Uh, so D'Lo was the European champion, won it from Jarrett, held both cha- the Euro held the Euro Continental Championships of the European and Intercontinental Championships uh, before losing the losing both belts to Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jeff Jarrett would eventually have his classic title uh, title match with China, who became the first woman ever, and I think the only woman to ever hold the Intercontinental Championship. What a classic rivalry they had. That was fantastic. Um, and then China went into her next classic rivalry with Chris Jericho, uh, which is fascinating. Um, so her and Jericho, uh, so she, she loses the belt to Jericho. And then it says on here, so there's a there's a one of those reigns on here that just aren't recognized. So she loses the belt to Jericho December of '99, but it says here January of 2000, Jericho and China are the champion. So um, on December 28th episode uh, 1999, uh, which later aired on December 30th, an episode of SmackDown, a title match between China and Jericho ended in a double pinfall. As a result, they were recognized as co-champions, but. WWE doesn't recognize this as an official reign, but as a vacancy instead. Um, and then Jericho, Jericho w- officially wins the Intercontinental Championship um, from China and Hardcore Holly uh, at the 2000 Royal Rumble. And then he eventually loses it uh, at No Way Out to Kurt Angle. Uh, Angle also won the European Championship. Uh that month. So he became the third ever Euro continental championship. I don't think intercontinental champion. So I don't think the D'Lo and Jarrett ones are usually thought about with the Euro continental championship. I think this era of this Jericho angle Benoit feud absolutely is um, because then they have an awesome triple threat match um, at WrestleMania 2000, uh, two falls uh, in the triple threat match, uh, where both championships were defended. One fall was for the Intercontinental Championship. One fall was for the European Championship. And uh, Benoit would win the Intercontinental Championship uh, in this match. And uh, defeating both Jericho and Angle, that match is incredible at Wrestle- from WrestleMania 2000. Probably the best match on that whole show easily. Jericho wins the championship back on an episode of SmackDown. Loses it back to Chris Benoit on an episode of Raw. Benoit loses the belt to Rikishi in 2000. Uh, I believe this was around the time they were really trying to start making Rikishi a big deal. They did the whole, I did it for the rock thing uh, as well after running down Steve Austin. Um, I had no idea going into this that Val Venus 
was an Intercontinental Champion at all. But apparently, uh, he has several title reigns because <laughs> Rikishi loses the belt to Val Venus. Uh, Val Venus loses the belt back to China, um, which is interesting. Um, they did a, and she won it in a mixed tag. So her and Eddie Guerrero at SummerSlam 2000 against Val Venus and Trish Stratus. Uh, something else I didn't know. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, China, and Ben and Kurt Angle uh, have a triple threat match, uh, and then Eddie wins that triple threat match to become the official Intercontinental Champion. Uh, that was a really I, I very distinctly remember Eddie from this era with the Intercontinental Championship, but he only held the title for eighty days, um, not a lot of time. But uh, I think he made that title really matter in that time. He eventually lost the belt to Billy Gunn, who then lost it, uh, didn't hold the title very long, lost it to Chris Benoit, who loses it to Chris Jericho uh, in January of 2001, who loses it to Triple H in April of 2001, but Triple H only holds it for seven days. Uh, but that era of Triple H holding the Intercontinental Championship is really cool to me, um, especially when they go into the two-man power trip. So Triple H holds it for seven days, loses it to Jeff Hardy, who holds it for three, uh, and then loses it back to Triple H for 34 days, who loses it to Kane uh, in a chain match. I very distinctly, uh, at Judgment Day, uh, and that's when I believe uh, Triple H and Austin were feuding with the Brothers of Destruction pretty pretty frequently. Uh, now we get into another thing that I did not know happened. Albert beat Kane on an episode of SmackDown for the Intercontinental Championship. I had no idea Albert was ever ever uh, an Intercontinental Champion <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he loses it to Lance Storm, who doesn't hold it long. Uh, so we have, a, we have a series of very short title reigns again. And, you know, I'm a guy who prefers a longer title reign. I think it brings a lot more legitimacy to the title. But there are times where I do miss shorter title reigns. I feel like we have too many long ones nowadays. I miss some shorter title reigns, honestly. Um, uh like, you know, it brings a level of uh, unpredictability sometimes. Um, but so Lance Storm uh, wins the championship, only holds it a month, loses it to Edge, only holds it about a month, loses it to Christian, who loses it back to Edge for about two weeks. Uh, and then Test wins the championship from Edge. Uh, Test loses the title uh, back to Edge in a title unification match where Edge also uh was the WCW United States champion. So this is during the invasion angle. And uh, then he deactivates the United States championship uh, in favor of continuing with the Intercontinental Championship. Edge has a 63-day title reign before losing the belt to William Regal at Royal Rumble 2002, who loses it to Rob Van Dam. Uh, we're going to take a break at this time. Uh, listen to this ad for my merch. Links will be down in the description below, and we will be right back. At this time, I would like to just plug my own merch store. Sometimes, as a professional wrestler, you don't have the funds to um, buy your own merch to, to bring to shows. And as much as I love doing that and love being able to interact with the fans, I don't always get to. So I created my own Shopify store. I You can check out my Facebook and Instagram for the QR code, or you can go to 
e0b2f5.myshopify.com. That is e0b2f5.myshopify.com. If you go on there and you browse the website, you'll find all kinds of things. You can find by the book, ancient by the book of wrestling notebooks that you can have your own very own ancient book of wrestling. You can go, you can see sweatsuits with comic designs. You can go, go get hats. You can go get crop tops. You can go get whatever you want from the from a guest on the roost store. We even have mugs and dad hats. So go to shopify.com. The specific link is e0b2f5.myshopify.com. That is e0b2f5.myshopify.com. Go to that store, support me, support in independent wrestling and buy my merch. And if you do, it you will be 100% buy the book. Now back to the episode. All right, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcast. Uh, so we left off with Rob Van Dam winning the Intercontinental Championship from William Regal. Uh, I always remember Regal with that belt quite a bit, um, but uh, he wins the championship at WrestleMania uh, 18 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, uh, from William Regal, uh, which is and then the uh, brand extension starts uh, on March 25th, and he uh, is drafted to Raw, uh, where he loses the championship to Eddie Guerrero. Um, and so Eddie Guerrero is the final Intercontinental Champion of the WWF era, uh, which is awesome. Um, Eddie and, and Van Dam had really awesome matches. Um uh, and then Van Dam uh, would win the championship back. Uh, so the WWE era of Raw would begin, and Van Dam would win the championship, um, would win the championship back, uh, and he did so uh, while unifying the uh, championship in a ladder match with Jeff Hardy. Um, uh, so I believe in between these two title reigns, uh, so the Age of Wrestling doesn't really mention this, um, but I believe between these two title reigns is when Eddie Guerrero uh, would get suspended. If I'm not wrong, um, I believe that is what happened. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, listeners. Um, but I believe that that is what happened um, because it states here that he unified the belts, uh, the Europe European Championship into the Intercontinental Championship, deactivating the title um, after winning a ladder match. Um Oh, no, no, I, I'm just misreading it. Okay, so he did beat Eddie in a ladder match, uh, and then he would go on to unify the championships later on after by defeating Jeff Hardy. My apologies for getting messed up on it. I just misread it. Um, I, I'm, I, I love the Ancient Book of Wrestling. I read it all the time. I'm just not, a per, I'm just not perfect, okay? Uh, so Chris Benoit uh, will, would go on to defeat... Uh, Rob Van Dam, and then he would take the Intercontinental Championship to uh, to SmackDown, uh, where he would try and make it exclusive. But Van Dam would win the championship back at SummerSlam of 2002, uh, and then take the title back to Raw. Uh, he would eventually lose to Chris Jericho, who only held it two weeks. Uh, Chris Jericho would lose it to Kane. Kane would lose it to Triple H. Uh, at No Mercy 2002, that's the whole Katie Vick storyline. 
um, and the it was a unification match, um, uh, and Kane would so so that became a unification match. Triple H would unify the Intercontinental Title with his championship, defeating Kane at No Mercy 2002. Um, which I I knew like that match was for both belts, but I wasn't. I don't think I realized that the Intercontinental Championship became deactivated for a period of time. I don't think I um, really, I don't think I really knew that um, until Christian wins the championship. So Austin, uh, Steve Austin at this time became co-general manager, decides to reactivate the title, has a battle royal for the revived championship where Christian wins uh, before losing it to Booker T. I feel like there's another person who like did really well with the Intercontinental Championship. Um, uh, in the same month, the United States Championship was reactivated on SmackDown for a counterpart to the Intercontinental title. Um, brand split is going full bore at that point. Booker loses it back to Christian. Uh, Rob Van Dam would win the title from Christian after a 50-day title reign. Um, he would only hold the championship for uh, about 30 days, but he won it in a ladder match. Uh, Chris Jericho would win the championship back from Van Dam, but hold it for less than a day uh, before <laughs> winning it back. Before Rob Van Dam would win it back on Raw uh, in a steel cage match, uh, and then he would lose the championship to Randy Orton, who went on a legendary title run. Uh, it was only 210 days, but during that time, he went to uh, he was in Evolution. He went into uh, had a wonderful performance in the Royal Rumble match. Um, had uh, that incredible rivalry with Mick Foley, um, him and Evolution would wrestle, would uh, wrestle Foley and Rock at WrestleMania. All that incredible stuff. Uh, and then he would eventually lose the championship to Edge. Uh, Edge, as I mentioned earlier, this is the title run and the era that I think of Edge with the Intercontinental Title. Uh, he would lose the belt to Edge at Vengeance in 2004. Uh, he only held it for 57 days, though, um, and vacated the title due to a groin injury. Uh, Jericho would win the title at Unforgiven in a ladder match against Christian for the vacant title. Shelton Benjamin. Uh, so this is where we get into the era of champions that I'm really nostalgic for. So Edge, uh, Orton, start, really starting with Orton uh, into Edge, uh, because I remember Orton with the belt at WrestleMania 20, which I've stated was like one of my earliest wrestling memories. Um, but Orton into Edge. And then I remember Jericho with the belt. Uh, I, but I think I remember Jericho more with the belt around 05, perhaps. No, I must be wrong because I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the lineage and I, I have to be wrong with that. Um, I also remember Jericho with the belt in like 07, 08 era. Um, but Jericho loses the belt to Shelton, who holds it for 244 days. Uh, but he had a classic title run. Um, it, it, absolutely incredible matches. At this, at this point in time, uh, and he won, classically won it at Taboo Tuesday, the fans voted Shelton uh, out of popularity, and, and that's not really what the company wanted or planned, um, but Jericho called it on the fly, more or less, that Shelton beat him for the title because he was so over, and that is uh, one of my favorite wrestling stories that I've really heard. Shelton will lose it to Carlito, who um, I very, feel like was very synonymous with the belt at the time, too, even though he only held it for 90 days. But, uh, but they, I feel like, uh, they, but I remember the match. I remember watching Carlito win the title. I don't know why, but I feel like I remember watching Carlito win the title. 
Carlito would lose it to Flair. Uh, Flair had a really fun run with the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, he won the uh, he won the belt at Unforgiven, um, and held it for 155 days, which is awesome. Before losing it back to Shelton, uh, Shelton would hold the belt uh, during this time where he had uh, his mama with him and all that fun stuff. He would lose the belt to Rob Van Dam, who at the time held the Money in the Bank contract as well. So it was winner take alls for both. Um, Shelton would win the belt the belt back from Rob Van Dam before losing it to Johnny Nitro at Vengeance in a triple threat match involving Carlito. Uh, Jeff Hardy would, would take the belt back from Johnny Nitro after a night would take the belt from Johnny Nitro after a, a 99 day title run. Uh, Nitro would win it back, only hold it for seven days though before Jeff Hardy would win it. Um, would win the belt and hold it for 97 days and then lose it to Umaga uh, for in what was a, an absolutely classic, classic um, rivalry. Jeff Hardy and Umaga at the time was insane. Uh, and then Umaga would lose the belt to Santino uh, when Santino is picked out of the audience by Vince. Uh, and then Santino won the championship, eventually lost it back to Umaga, who lost back to Jeff Hardy during their classic, classic rivalry. Um, Jeff would hold the belt for 189 days, uh, lose it to Jericho in 2008. Jericho would hold it for 111 days. So I remember that significantly. I remember that that title run of Jericho. He would eventually lose to Kofi, and then Kofi would lose it to Santino at SummerSlam of 08. And so this, I remember this because uh, it was Kofi and Mickey James, against Beth and Santino uh, for both the women's title and the Intercontinental title. So this is when Santino and Beth got paired up, and then this is when uh, Santino went, started talking about uh, breaking the record of the hunky tonky man. Uh, Santino would eventually lose the belt to Regal, uh, King Regal, and Regal would have a really fun run. Like, it was only 70 days, but I remember him being the Intercontinental champion um, during that time, and it was a really fun run. He would lose the belt to Punk in 09. Uh, Punk would only hold the belt 49 days before losing it to JBL, uh, and who only held it for 27 days. And then Rey Mysterio would win the belt at WrestleMania 25, retiring JBL. And then in the draft was sent to SmackDown. Rey would uh, lose the belt to Jericho. I remember Jericho with the belt during that time too. Uh, Jericho, obviously my favorite of all, my favorite of all time. Mysterio would win it back in a mask versus title match. Mysterio would lose the belt to John Morrison, uh, and then this is a fun era of the title too. Not one that I really um, hold very near and dear to my heart because I didn't really watch SmackDown a lot during this time. Um, but the Intercontinental Championship, while it was always the workhorse title, it kind of became the young, like the young guys' title at this time. Um, so Morrison wins it from Ray, uh, holds it 100 days. Drew McIntyre, a young stud at the time, won it from John Morrison at TLC, held it for 161 days. I, I very much remember him with the belt. Um, and then Kofi holds it, uh, wins it, holds it for 74, loses it to Dolph, who holds it for 154, loses it back to Kofi, uh, who holds it for 76 days. And I remember that era a lot because I really liked Kofi and Dolph um, and, and their back and forth. But I don't, I don't feel like during this era um, it was very significant or important. Um, Barrett would win the, Wade Barrett would win the title from Kofi, 
lose it to Ezekiel Jackson, uh, who would lose it to Cody Rhodes. Uh, I, and then Cody made that title matter a lot. Um, he held it, he held the championship for 236 days. Uh, Cody was an incredible intercontinental champion, brought back the white strapped design. Um, but that was kind of the end of the SmackDown, like the brand split era. Um, that was kind of winding down at the time. Uh, the brand split was, and that's why I say it didn't feel very important because it was sitting on SmackDown where SmackDown just kind of felt like, oh, this is our leftover talent that we don't really have anything for type of thing, um, which is very frustrating. Um, but that was the reality of things. Uh, the World Heavyweight Championship was still over there at the time too, and that didn't feel nearly as important as the WWE title. Um, but Cody would have an incredible title run. Uh, during this, during that stint, he would lose the championship to Big Show at WrestleMania 28, uh, win it back at Extreme Rules uh, in a tables match, which had the dumbest ending I've ever seen in my entire life. Cody would only hold it for 22 days, though, before losing it to Christian. Uh, Christian had a, had a little fun run during that time, 64 days as champion. Lost it to The Miz at Raw 1000. Uh, Miz would lose it to Kofi Kingston uh, on main event, of all things. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, that's when they tried to make main event a big deal. Uh, Kingston would lose it to Wade Barrett. Uh, Barrett would lose it to Miz, who only held it a day uh, after winning it at on the WrestleMania 29 pre-show. Miz would lose it back to Barrett. Barrett would lose it to Curtis Axel at Payback and a triple threat involving the Miz. Uh, Axel would lose it to Biggie Langston. Uh, so Axel held it but didn't do much with it, but then Biggie held it, and I think Big E was a really good Intercontinental Champion, and then he would lose it to Bad News Barrett. Um, Barrett Barrett's Bad News Barrett run was really fun, uh, but he had to vacate the title due to a shoulder injury. But, you know, it's it's a lot of, other than Big Show in there, it was a lot of the young guys really just going back and forth, winning the championships, um, winning the Intercontinental Championship. And, and I like that. I, I like the the spot that they had them in and I was very fond of it you know growing up and watching it um but I don't think it really really started to matter that much um up until the era we're gonna start getting into um I, I really don't think the championship get regained its importance until right here about uh mid 2014 into 2015 and then definitely 2016 is when it really turns itself around. So uh, the Miz wins the championship in a battle Royal at battleground 2014 uh, before losing it to Dolph at SummerSlam 2014. Uh, I remember that match. I remember really enjoying that match. Um, Miz and Dolph had really good matches. Miz won the belt back at night of champions before losing it back to Dolph Ziggler and then Ziggler and Harper had classic matches. So Harper won it on raw Ziggler won it back in their incredible ladder match at Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Another great thing, Intercontinental Championships and ladder matches. Mwah, a match made in heaven. Uh, Ziggler would lose the belt to Bad News Barrett, uh, who came back. Um, he, so Ziggler originally retained the belt against Barrett, but uh, Kane was being corporate Kane at the time. Made the match two out of three falls, and then Barrett won the championship. Uh, that was a fun run that I remember. And then he would lose the belt in the classic WrestleMania 31 ladder match. I love that ladder match. The talent in that match was insane. Ambrose, Barrett, Ziggler, Harper, uh, R-Truth, uh, Cody, Stardust, and then Daniel Bryan, of course, who won it. 
Daniel Bryan, my second favorite wrestler of all time. Um, but unfortunately, he had to vacate the championship due to injury. Um, and I was there in Cincinnati, Ohio, when Daniel Bryan showed up and announced that um, he had to relinquish the title and was retiring. Um, heartbreaking stuff, man. Like, that was gut-wrenching, um, knowing that he had to relinquish the championship. And being there live was really upsetting. Daniel Bryan was one of my favorites at the time, and I've even I've gained to uh, learn to appreciate him even more since then. Um, just heartbreaking stuff. Um, and then Ryback would win it in an elimination chamber match for the vacant title. Uh, Ryback would hold it 112 days, not do much with it. Um, but then Kevin Owens would win it from him. Uh, Kevin Owens and uh, Kevin Owens what had a fun run with the title. Uh, held it for 85 days, lost it to Ambrose at tables, ladders, and chairs. He would win it back on a Raw in a really fun five-way match that I remember uh, involving Ambrose, Tyler Breeze, Stardust, and Dolph Ziggler. And then he would lose it at WrestleMania 32 in another incredible ladder match that involved himself, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Stardust, Sin Cara, The Miz, and then Zack Ryder, who won. Um, but Zack would only hold it for a day before losing it to The Miz. The very next night on Raw, but the the memory of Zach winning that and that ladder match was just, in general was just incredible. Uh, so Miz would get drafted to SmackDown. This is when they bring back the brand split. Uh, Ziggler would win the, would win the championship at No Mercy 2016 in a title versus career match from Miz. I just very recently watched this match, and this match is freaking incredible. I love this match so much. Um, it's really disappointing that Ziggler only holds the belt 37 days, though. But, man, Miz and Ziggler, one of the best matches um, I, I've ever seen from either one of them. And one of the best matches in recent memory. I say recent memory, and the match is seven years old, which is insane. Uh, Miz wins the title back from Ziggler and then loses it to Dean Ambrose uh, January 3rd, 2017. Uh, Miz would win the title back at Extreme Rules 2017. Uh, he would lose the title to Roman Reigns. Uh, and Roman had a fun little run with the belt. Ro Roman did some open challenges and stuff with the title. I remember him facing Jason Jordan and and Miz and Balor and a couple of guys for that Intercontinental Championship. Uh, and that was a really fun uh, period of time. Uh, and then Miz would win it back on Raw 25, which I remember being a, a pretty good match. And then uh, Miz would lose the belt in a triple threat match involving Finn Balor uh, to Seth Rollins. Um, Seth had an incredible title run too, but this is also uh, recognizable because I was there live for this match. And this match was incredible. I remember just being in awe during this match and sitting next to my brother and my father, uh, LaRue. <laughs> uh, brother LaRue and father LaRue was very fun. Um and very enjoyable to watch. Rollins would lose the belt to Ziggler on a Raw in 2018 before winning it back at SummerSlam and their incredible SummerSlam match. I love that. I love their SummerSlam match. Holds it 119 days before losing it to Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley, uh, who would lose it to Bobby Lashley only after a 28-day title run with the belt, um, which. We know why, because Ambrose was on his way out, out of the door. 
And then Finn Balor uh, would win the championship from Lashley at Elimination Chamber that year in a two-on-one handicap match involving Leo Rush. Lashley would win it back. Balor would win it back at WrestleMania 35 in a pretty fun match. Um, but then the Superstar shakeup happened. And uh, Balor, oh my gosh, the Superstar shakeup. 2019 was a really bad era for WWE. Um, Balor would lose the belt to Shinsuke Nakamura on the Extreme Rules kickoff of all things. Why do you have those two on the kickoff? Um, but they had a solid match on the kickoff from what I remember. I was watching the kickoffs at that time. Because uh, they were having like really good stuff on it for literally no reason. <laughs> um, and then Braun Strowman. Uh, so Shinsuke would hold it 201 days, but they did literally nothing with it. Highly disappointing. Uh, and then he would lose it to Braun Strowman. Um, Braun Strowman would then lose the championship to Sami Zayn. In a, in a three-on-one handicap match involving Shinsuke and Cesaro and Zayn. Um, and then Zayn uh, would be stripped of the title uh, after um, deciding to not work during the pandemic. Understandably so. Um, but in storyline, he claimed to still be the champion and carry around the belt and, and stuff like that um, after he returned in August of 2020. But at this time, they had the incredible Intercontinental Championship uh, tournament on TV at the time, which uh, SmackDown during the pandemic era was really good. Um, and AJ and Brian and Daniel Bryan would fight over the Intercontinental title. AJ would take the championship, hold it for 71 days. Um, and then and then AJ would uh, lose the belt to Jeff Hardy. And then they would have an incredible triple threat ladder match at Clash of Champions once Sammy returned. And Sammy would win the championship uh, and then he would eventually lose it to Biggie, Biggie's big coming out party, breaking free um, from the new from the new day a little bit. They stay, they were still together, but he won it, and that was an incredible and beautiful moment. I remember that um, Biggie Biggie's title run was fun. Uh, I watched as he lost it next to Apollo Cruz at WrestleMania 37, night two. Um, sadly, a disappointing match. Uh, but, uh, you know, and they're both such great athletes, but it just really didn't pan out. Uh, Apollo Crews would eventually lose the belt to Nakamura, who had a 189-day title reign, but sadly would lose it. Um, would sadly lose it uh, after not much happening again. He would lose it to Sami Zayn, who only held the title for uh, about 13 days. Uh, and then he would lose it to Ricochet, who held it for 98, who had a really fun title run with the belt too, to now Gunther and Gunther's current uh, WWE title reign. Uh, wow. Gunther uh, is incredible. Uh, Gunther is killing it. He won the belt on June 10th, 2022, and is still holding it as of recording on October 12th, 2023, killing Killing it, Ricochet, uh, his match with Mustafa Ali, um, the matches that he that he had with Chad Gable recently, his matches with Champa, like Gunther is knocking out of the park. The Sheamus matches, the match that he had with Drew uh, at SummerSlam, the match match that he had with Sheamus and Drew at WrestleMania, freaking incredible stuff. Gunther is might be the best wrestler in the world right now. Um, absolutely fantastic. So so despite a tumultuous and strange start 
for the Intercontinental Championship. And then it's strange up and down eras of injuries and vacates and um, and then the title just kind of being, oh, it's the younger guy title, but like it's on a show that doesn't really matter type of thing. Um, now it is one of the most prestigious and top prizes once again. It has one of the best lineages of any championship. I mean, Austin, Rock, Triple H, Sami Zayn, Gunther, Kevin Owens, like, you you know, some of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time have held this championship, absolute workhorses. Um, and Gunther is sitting at 488-plus days as the champion. Um, and, and to put it in perspective, the combined days reign – uh, the, so, so between several different reigns, the combined days um, as Intercontinental Champion, the record for that is 619 days. And that is held by Pedro Morales. Gunther is number four on the total combined days. Uh, and that is insane to me. Um, Miz is number two with 597, and he's had eight title reigns. So Gunther could beat that with one title reign, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i very excited that I got to look into this um, and have fun with this. And I'm just so excited for um, the re- to see the rest of Gunther's title reign. Uh, I thank you guys for listening to this, listening to me ramble on about uh, all this knowledge straight from the Ancient Book of Wrestling. But I love studying this and I love sharing the knowledge of the ancient book of wrestling with you guys. Uh, I have some fun ideas for uh, TikToks that I might be doing very, very soon. Uh, that'll share knowledge of the ancient book of wrestling as well. Um, so I just want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, look at the links below. My social media is down there. My YouTube is down there. And most importantly, my merch store is down there. Please go buy some merch. Please support the podcast. Soon, soon enough, I'm going to be the By the Book podcast champion. And uh, I thank you guys. And someday I hope to become the Intercontinental Champion and be added to this incredible lineage. Um, That is a dream of mine. But thank you for listening. Thank you guys for supporting. And remember to continue doing things 100% by the book.